Well, good morning, campers, and welcome back to another episode of Camp Cryptid. I am your host, Erica Fett, and today I'm going to be doing an episode based on the most terrifying cold weather cryptids and monsters. Um, So this was originally going to be a one episode where I talked all about the abominable snowman, the Wendigo, and the Yukiona, but after doing a couple weeks of research and having about six pages of notes, I thought, you know... I'm just going to divide this up into a two-part episode. So uh, this episode is going to be dedicated to the Abominable Snowman and the Yeti, and I'm super excited. Um, So basically, I've been spending the last couple weeks just kind of doing some research. And for those of you who know, I'm a huge Bigfoot fan. I love all the stories of Sasquatch, and I love stories of the Bigfoot. But since it's been like super cold here in Ohio, and actually it's snowing right now as we speak, um, (laughs) and it's like negative like nine out, who cares? Um, I already had my soup. I'm going. Um, but I thought, you know, what better way than to get some of my Bigfoot love in than by talking about, you know, its distant cousin, the, uh, abominable snowman. Um, so <laughs> real quick too, um, before going into this episode, uh, I told a silly story on Twitter about basically the other night, uh, it's been very cold out, you know, like I said, it's snowing right now and it's been snowing, uh, pretty much like off and on the past week here. Well, um, my husband let our dogs out. Um, a couple nights ago, I think Sunday night. And, you know, I'd spent the entire day researching Wendigo stories. And I'm a big fan of newspapers.com. To me, that's one of my favorite resources for finding stories and especially things that were printed in the media um, that could like substantiate some claims. Um, And also give me some fun stories to dive into, right? Well, I spent all day Sunday kind of like brushing up and kind of like uh, finishing like the touches on my notes. And so I was reading all about the abominable snowman and uh, the Wendigo. And uh, that night, you know, I watched uh, the new season of True Detective and, you know, it was about, uh, I'd say like 11 o'clock at night and my husband lets the dogs out. And he comes inside and I, I heard them barking, but you know, they're dogs and they just bark at everything. And he comes in and he's like, yeah, I think something's out in the woods. And me being excited, thinking it's the possum that's been living around my house, you know, I just wanted to check up on it. Um, I go outside, I grab my mag light, I bundle all up and I go outside and I'm like looking around uh, in the woods. And I, you know, I'm, I'm shining the light and I don't see anything. And I'm like, oh man, it must've been maybe like, you know, something random, like maybe a fox or something. Because I do have coyotes in the area too, so I was kind of nervous about that too with my my dog, who's a little senior dog being out there. But uh, so you know, as I'm like going inside, and I'm like, okay, obviously nothing's here anymore. I'm turning around, and I I hear this like crack behind me, and I was like, oh god, I don't know. So I take my mag light and I turn around and I shine it, and as soon as I shine it two eyes that are reflective are in my light. And I'm just like, I stop in fear and I'm like, oh my God, no, I've been reading about the Wendigo. It's cold outside. I live near the woods. Like I can't do this right now. Um, And then the eyes blink and they're like big eyes. And I'm like, oh my God, no. Well, thankfully another eye pair of eyes showed up and I'm pretty sure they were deer unless they were (laughs) they were not but I'm pretty sure they were deer um but I totally spooked myself out uh, preparing for these episodes so um (laughs) it was so silly though uh but hey I'm a little adventurous and I like adventure and what better way than to talk about uh the abominable snowman 
and the Himalayas today um, because the Himalayas are absolutely beautiful, but they are a very mysterious place. Uh, There's tons of legends that surround the Himalayas, um, legends of hidden lakes and hidden cities. Uh, There are many subterranean caves that exist that haven't even been all the way explored yet. And there's also caves that they found recently uh, that are high up in high altitudes uh, that they are still researching to this day. So there are, you know, oh, and there's mysterious lights that people see. So there are some very curious things going on in this region. Um, And one of those majorly curious things is the abominable snowman and its legends. You know, as doing my research on this topic, you know, I I get into all of these like rabbit holes and uh, there are some very crazy stories of the Himalayas. Uh, There's a lake that they call the Skeleton Lake, uh, where hundreds of bodies were basically discovered in this lake and around it. Um, And this is a high altitude lake that is kind of like hidden between these glaciers. And for decades, people were wondering like what happened to these bodies that were discovered here because it looked like they had all been murdered. But after decades of research, they found that there was a a crazy hailstorm that was likely to have happened that killed these people. And because the people had nowhere to go, um, they all perished in it. So they say that um, on like clear days, you can actually see some of the bones that are still in this lake to this day. So there's a lot of creepy things going on. Also, I didn't realize, and and maybe this is me just not really um, doing a lot of research on Mount Everest, but I also didn't realize that most of the times if people perish along their uh, trek on Mount Everest, uh, their bodies are kind of left there. And uh, it kind of adds to the supernatural element and the... um, creepy, the creepiness of the region because, you know, not everyone makes it on Mount Everest and the Himalayas have some of the highest peaks in the world. Uh, There's one uh, peak, I think it's called Annapurna and it's got like a 32% survival rate. So we're talking like out of a hundred people who try to climb this, 32 people die. Uh, So it just adds to how dangerous this territory and how dangerous and, and, how crazy the weather can be and how awful uh, climbing these cliffs can be. Uh, So I think that kind of like adds into the legend of the abominable snowman because obviously some of these uh, areas are not very accessible to humans. And so it takes a lot for humans to not only survive the altitude, but survive the conditions of getting from place to place along these peaks. Uh, So the fact that a lot of people who have seen footprints of the abominable snowman are kind of like mystified by it because, you know, along with the gait and the size of the footprints and them being barefoot, it is astonishing that uh, it seems that this creature can uh, basically climb and get from place to place with, with ease, it seems like. So... That is just one of the like tiny little things that I I found while while researching this and I just think it's such a unique place and such a like it's just so interesting and honestly like I've seen pictures of Mount Everest and I I joke with my husband about how I'd love to go to the just the base camp and just look at Mount Everest but then I realize it's like a 7 to 12 day thing just to get to the base camp and I'm like the dedication <laughs> but also I don't know if I'd like to see like Uh, all the like dead bodies along the way, that would be a little um, concerning for me. But, you know, maybe I'll just like go and just look at the mountains and then that's good for me because I think that just seeing them with my eyes is enough to appreciate the beauty of nature. 
But so let's get in. Let's get into the abominable snowman, right? Uh, so, you know, when you think of the abominable snowman, you think, okay, like this big white creature covered in hair, you know, you're thinking like the wampa, we're thinking like all of these different creatures that we've seen in media, but you know, most of the accounts aren't that it has white hair or fur. It's that it's either got like a dark gray fur, a reddish fur, a brownish fur, or that it's basically almost looking like a naked human with like matted fur on its head. Um, Most of the time, even though they say that if there's an account where it does uh, have fur all over its body, that the only thing that doesn't have fur is usually the face. So that is one common uh, theme of the abominable snowman. Now, the abominable snowman, uh, unlike Bigfoot, has been documented since the early 1800s. So one of my big things when researching like Bigfoot is, you know, we obviously have the Patterson-Gimlin film uh, in 1967. But one of the things I really like about uh, when I do my research and I go to like newspapers.com, I try to find uh, articles that are that predate the Patterson-Gimlin film because, you know, while I do believe that, you know, some um, accounts and experience from people are legitimate, there is like a hysteria that comes out, right? When there's something new and popular, you know, you have a burst of, you know, people who see things. And I like to get things that are a little bit older because then it adds to like the uniqueness. And um, to me, it adds a little bit of depth into all of the things that have come in the years after. So the sightings of the abominable snowman and the Yeti have been since the early 1800s. There have been accounts of giant hairy ape-like creatures. And I mean, the Himalayas are massive. They span multiple countries and uh, they boast some of the highest peaks in the world, which makes this region very inaccessible to most humans. Uh, Like I said, one of the peaks has a 32% survival rate and not everybody that climbs these peaks make it. So that just adds to how hard it would be for an actual human to survive in these conditions and be walking barefoot. So not only does the Himalayas have insane mountains and peaks, it has a series of caves that are believed to be man-made. And those caves are said to date back over 2,000 years. And even more caves remain undiscovered to this day. So you've got some caves that are at high altitudes. And then on the reverse of that, you've got some caves that are said to be subterranean. So the Himalayas definitely has a lot of secrets to it that I think remain undiscovered to this day. Now, when it comes to the Yeti or the Abominable Snowman, there's no evidence showing that it actually exists. Uh, you know, people have done multiple expeditions to try to prove the validity of the the Abominable Snowman and the footprints, but nothing really has come out saying that, yes, it exists. But... There's also nothing saying that it doesn't exist. Uh, So I figured that's a great place to start with, right? (laughs) Now, some of the earliest uh, sightings of the Yeti uh, or the hairy ape-like creature that people have said to see uh, start with B.H. Hodgson. He's a renowned traveler, explorer, and naturalist in the early 1800s. He's taken lots of trips in exploration uh, to Asia, India, and Nepal. Well, um, he even is so renowned that he has birds named after him that he's discovered. He has many animals that he's collected uh, over the years. Some of those animals can actually still be seen in the British Museum to this day. Um, So this is a guy who dedicated his life work to discovering the mammals of the regions, right? Well, one of the first documented accounts of a hairy ape-like creature of the Himalayas uh, was actually written in his Mammals of Nepal, and basically it was a little footnote of his study where it says that one of his guides along the way saw 
a creature walking erectly, covered in hair with no tail. Um, I'll make sure to post the uh, the link to this so you can check it out. If you go to page, I think it's on like page 339. At the bottom, you see a little footnote with his like little addition about the, the sighting. But so that is the first time that uh, it's been written down that there was a sighting of this creature. So I think that that's very interesting because that is in the early 1800s. So now you've got almost two decades now at this point (laughs) of these sightings, right? And then not only that, you've got a lot of uh, stories that have been told prior to that from the people in the area and the locals. So um, that is just one of the very many things over the past 200 years that have been documented about the Yeti. Now, after that, in 1922, British explorer William Hugh Knight, he was on an expedition after the Tibetan War, and he was basically uh, traveling on a trail between Sedanshan and Natong, and he was taking a break behind his party, and he was watching the sun and just kind of getting his stuff together, and he heard a strange noise and looked off in a distance, and he saw a strange creature uh, that resembled a naked human. He said in his his account of the experience, he said that the human was covered with matted hair all over its head, um, but there was no hair on its face, but that this this creature had incredible muscles that were incredibly defined, and it was also holding a primitive bow. So that was one of the first sightings of someone who wasn't a uh, local to the area. So then, you know, you've got um, the excitement of that, of a potential human species that hasn't been discovered, who someone else is now saying, no, I've seen it. Now, in 1951, you've got Eric Shipton, who was a famous mountaineer. Um, He had been around the Himalayas for a while, and he is one of the first people that have recorded various barefoot footprints at an extreme high altitude. So you've got a sighting now, and then you've got a famous mountaineer who's traveled around tons of regions who finds these strange footprints in areas where someone should not be walking barefoot, right? But footprints have been seen for decades in that area. So it just adds a little bit more mystery to what exactly is causing these footprints that look like human footprints, but it doesn't really make sense that a human would be walking barefoot that high up at altitudes. And also it doesn't explain the gait. It doesn't explain how it would be able to travel with ease through these areas where it takes humans a lot more to get through. And then, um, you know, you've got other mountaineers who have also seen very strange things. So like a couple years after that, I think in 1953, you've got Sir Edmund Hillary. He's famous for his team and Mount Everest. He even says that while he was doing his trek of Mount Everest at night, about 18,000 feet up, the, he and his team heard chilling screams that were a series of screams at night. And it still can't be explained what exactly was causing these repeated screams. So now you've got a couple stories from explorers and you've got uh, locals who add in and say like, you know, they've seen things, you know, and, and then with early tourism to Mount Everest, many people scaling the mountains have seen footprints. They've heard screams, you know, seen things. They've even seen mysterious hair covered creatures in the region. So there have been accounts that people in the area vacationing were even attacked by Yeti. Uh, So you've got all of these stories, you've got all of these people who are exploring the region, who see random footprints, they hear things, they see things, 
and it just adds to the lore of the abominable snowman. Now, along with people visiting the area, of course, you've got various stories from locals about attacks that have happened on villages because of the Yeti. They say that villagers and farm animals like the sheep and the yak have been attacked, and uh, there have been many disappearances of not only visitors to the area, but those native to the area as well. Uh, there's stories of kidnappings. There's stories of children coming up missing. There's even stories of like where uh, they said like back in the day, some like Yeti men came to the, the village and grabbed all their women <laughs> and then took them back up to the to the peaks. So you've got all of these strange stories from locals and then people visiting the areas that adds to the mysterious nature um, and the enigma of the Yeti. In the 1970s, there was a young Sherpa woman who was attacked, and she said she was alongside of her herd of yak when she felt like she was being watched and she saw an abominable snowman Yeti basically in the area. She said she was attacked, and then when she woke up after being attacked, she noticed that five of her yak had been killed uh, by having their necks broken. And a lot of people in the area say that that is the way that the the Yeti kill. They kill the yak and they kill um, the the livestock with one hit to the neck, and that just shows their brute strength. But then you've also got people who say that the Yeti is docile and only eats like small rodents and stuff. So you do have some conflicting stories there. But I feel like in my research, there have been more people that say that there have been attacks and that uh, they're more frightened of it than feel calmed by it. So <laughs> that may add to some of the, the creepiness of that. Now, for some of you listening, if, you, if you've heard of Dyatlov Pass, you probably know that it has also been tied to uh, Yeti attacks. So Dyatlov Pass was an incident where a group of um, people were going to this mountain and their bodies were found um, in very unexplainable ways. Like I believe the one person had their tongue removed. Their bodies were, it almost looked like they fled their camp. And a lot of people still think that that is one of the biggest mysteries of what happened to these people. And some people believe that they were actually attacked by Yeti. But now that is a whole episode. Like I would dedicate an entire episode to that past incident because there are a lot of things that could have happened. Um, I know there's a movie about it too where they believe it was like basically like um, – Russian people doing time experiments and it's a whole thing. I think it's called Devil's Passes, I think the movie. But like I said, that's all that's a whole episode. I need to do an episode on just that because it is it is a pretty bizarre case. So if you've never heard of that, I definitely recommend checking that out because it is definitely a mystery. But some people believe that they were attacked by Yeti. Uh and that would explain some things, but some things I I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a creepy one. But yeah, so some stories of the earliest expeditions of the mountains were said to have been wiped out by the gods of the mountains. So basically people in the area believe, some people believe that the abominable snowman or the Yeti is almost like a protector of the mountain. They call it Migo or there are other names, maybe Murka or Badmanshi. There are a lot of ways that they describe this abominable snowman, but there was an expedition in 1922 by German scientist Dr. Carl Wein. So Dr. Carl Wein's in his expedition was trying to basically climb the peaks of Nanga Parbat, the ninth highest mountain region in the world. It is extremely hard to get up, and it is one of those mountains that I don't believe that they actually successfully climbed it until like decades later. But his entire expedition perished along the way of uh, trying to climb this. And a lot of people in the region, a lot of locals believed that 
Not only did it have to do with, um, you know, the unpredictable nature of the mountain and the weather conditions, but they believed that the protectors and the Yeti actually also had something to do with it. Um, So I do think it's very interesting that, you know, some people in the region regard the Yeti to be pretty terrifying, but some others believe it to be almost a protector of uh, the, the mountain region, which I think is very interesting. Now, along with all of these stories, it it also adds some interesting flavor to it when, you know, you've got the government of Nepal in that area that named the Yeti a protected species. They've also invested in um, researching the environment to make it a safer place for the Yeti. And um, they do really try to protect the species as much as they can because you really should protect the species, especially if it is a type of human that we haven't discovered yet, right? But, you know, they there are a lot of a lot of weird things about the Yeti and Abominable Snowman. And one thing is for sure is that these sightings have happened for hundreds of years. Um, they're told in local legends, and then you've got people who have visited the area who have also seen and heard things. Uh, one thing I do think is interesting is that a lot of the scientists and uh, explorers of the region who, you know, may have believed it was just like a local legend, later on after many times when they were visiting that area, uh, it's very interesting that a lot of those people started to actually believe there is actually a Yeti out there, which I do think is very interesting that a lot of people, you know, dismissed it at first as like a local folklore legend. But after a little bit of time, spending time in the region, they're like, no, I think there is actually something that exists. But yeah, I do. I do. I am. I am always intrigued about the Yeti. You know, and and the Himalayas, like I said, are a very mysterious place. You've got stories of um, when I said earlier that they believe it's a protector of, you know, the area and the mountains. Uh, There are stories from local legends where they basically say that there are caves that are kind of like closed off and they're closed by doors or giant boulders that can only be moved by like giant strength. And that would just kind of like go back hand in hand to say like these Yeti are actually extremely strong, extremely agile. Um, and extremely capable of living in these harsh conditions, which I think adds to the fact that maybe humans <laughs> bit off more than they can chew when it comes to looking for this guy. <laughs> um, but, you know, what could it be, you know? And I think that that's the interesting thing. Like, I think that you either believe that things like this can exist or you don't. And for me, I love thinking I absolutely love thinking that there could be more to Earth than we realize. And I think that, you know, it is kind of like silly to think that we've discovered everything on Earth Um, and we've discovered every crevice and we know everything there is to know about Earth because obviously we're finding new things every day. We're finding new areas every day. We're finding new species every day. And while these species aren't necessarily like giant creatures, that still shows you that we are still learning things about our own planet day by day which just adds a little bit of mystery to earth. And I think that it's, it's what makes earth so special too. You know, we need to love this place. It's amazing. And it's got so many mysteries and it's got so much beauty. But, you know, like I said, you either believe these things exist or you don't. And, you know, some of the people who say that it does, uh, it doesn't exist and it can be easily explained by things is, you know, people believe it could be a langur, which is a type of monkey. And, you know, for a long time, they believed that the logical explanation of these sightings was actually langurs in the area. Um, but the largest langur no- known in Nepal is the the gray langur, which is about 60 pounds max, and it gets about two feet tall. Uh, so that wouldn't explain uh, the accounts of people saying that it was covered in hair and it was holding a primitive bow and that they were five to six feet. 
um, with extraordinary muscles. Now, it could be a freak of nature, right? It could be this monkey that's just like roided out, so jacked and and just so like tough. I, you know, I'd actually, I'd actually pay a lot of money to see, I guess, a monkey like that holding a primitive bow. I don't know. I think that's kind of silly, but you know, it really doesn't explain some of the accounts where the people say it was a human-like thing that was holding a primitive weapon. Another explanation to what the abominable snowman could be is a bear. There is the Himalayan brown bear and in the Himalayan black bear and multiple bears that span this entire region of the Himalayan mountains. Uh, there's the Tibetan bear. So with that being said, the Himalayan brown bear is the largest bear in the region. It does get four to six feet tall. So that checks out. Uh, it could explain some of the livestock being attacked because I've seen, you know, just recently I was watching a video and it was like a, a bear trying to attack a guy because he saw his dog. So I'm like, that that would explain that. You know, bears are known to attack, you know, smaller species. But it doesn't explain how someone saw, you know, a naked human covered in hair carrying a bow. Now, granted, that is just one sighting, you know, and there are multiple sightings that people have seen. But I do think it is curious that that guy saw you know, a, a, what he thought to be a primitive human holding a bow. So another logical explanation of what the abominable snowman can be is there are naked yogis that walk in the area. Uh, it is known that sometimes they walk barefoot, so that could explain barefoot footprints. Uh, sometimes they do say that some of the locals that walk in the area that are barefoot have kind of um, disformed feet from walking in the area. So that would explain that. But it necessarily doesn't explain how they are walking at such high altitudes with barefoot feet. And in altitudes where obviously it's taking it's it's taking these experienced mountain men so much to get to. And it just seems like when they see these footprints and they they measure the footprints and they see the gate and they see the ease of where it's walking and they follow the trails there, like it doesn't make sense that it would be a human. And it also doesn't explain how they would be covered in hair because these naked yogis even attest to the fact that they think that there are Yeti and there are abominable snowmen in the area. And a lot of them actually do believe that when they're the naked yogis, they do believe that the Yeti act as mountain guardians, uh, which is why a lot of the naked yogis even say that when they're walking, they follow a specific trail because they don't want to go in areas where they shouldn't be going. So, you know, there's a lot of explanations to what these sightings could be, right? There are mountain lions in the area. There are bears. There are multiple different types of mammals in the area that could be the reason that people are seeing these sightings, right? I I can't I can't imagine, you know, though over hundreds of years now, multiple sightings and it all being, you know, a black bear. Uh, I think that the 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 difference in varying accounts between locals and people who have visited the area. And it's not like a lot of these people visiting the area in these early years in like in the 1800s and early 1900s. It's not like these people were, you know, their goal was to find the Yeti. No, their goal was to go to Mount Everest. Their goal was to climb some of these highest peaks on earth. It wasn't necessarily to go and try to find this giant, hairy, ape-like creature, right? So, you know, it's it, it, it's different when it's like someone on the trail of the Yeti, right? And and they they are trying to force the evidence to fit. But it's different when it's someone who really doesn't have anything invested in the subject, but still kind of finds things that are pretty curious. So I think that's pretty interesting. Now, one of the other explanations of people that think that it could be um, barbarian humans that were actually outlawed from society and that some theories suggest that these sightings are actually just a group of humans that were barbaric and just living off the grid with their own tribe. And 
they were adjusting to the land that way, which if they were humans, I would really be interested to how their bodies adjusted to the high altitude and living naked uh, in such a dangerous and unforgiving place when it comes to weather, which if you've seen anything about Mount Everest in the Himalayas, you know that it is very subject to very erratic storms and avalanches and lots of other creepy weather events that are just random and sporadic and they can't really, you know, it just comes and it goes, right? Which kind of makes me think, my theory is that it's Neanderthals. Um, I'm a big fan of the theory of even Bigfoot being a type of Neanderthal, whether it be a hybrid or a full-on Neanderthal. But it would explain them living in the mountains and using those subterranean caves or the cave systems uh, to survive. Oh, Neanderthals were known to dwell in caves as it was. Uh, and who's to say to evade encroaching humans on their territory, they didn't go deeper into the caves and find alternative ways to survive off the grid. It would explain a little bit of why they evolved to be covered in hair, uh, but still use primitive weapons, right? So uh, what kind of like makes me feel like uh, it might be, in my opinion, like Neanderthal-esque is the fact that, you know, even in the 2000s alone, two different species of human cousins were found. Uh, one named the Flores Man, and I think one was found in Russia. But, you know, you still have as recently as 20, you know, within the past 25 years, two different species of man that was discovered. So it's not like it's out of the realm of possibility that there's another type of human. Um, and it's definitely not out of the realm of thought to think that people were living in caves because we see that all the time. There's um, the Indian caverns is close to where I live, uh, the Olentangy Indian caverns. And it's very interesting because they lived underground in these caverns. And even though it's like, super cold in Ohio right now. These caverns stay like 50, like mid 50 degrees all year round. So even though it's chilly as hell outside right now, uh, they would be pretty comfortable inside these underground caverns. And I think it's just kind of like patterns, right? Like, mm, I, I don't know. <laughs> I could get on this tangent forever, but I'm also a big fan of the hollow earth theory. So Whatever the explanation to what the abominable snowman could be, the Himalayan mountains are a very mysterious region full of prehistoric caves with drawings, uh, hidden subterranean cave systems, and many legends and lore about the mysterious creatures that protect and roam the mountain range. And I think that that is, you know, one of the things that I really loved when I was reading about the abominable snowman because it is such a legend to this day and it is such a an enigma that I I – I was like looking on the website the other day, like to try to like plan a, a like a trip to Tibet. Because <laughs> so I was like, I just want to go and I just want to talk to people and I just want to like, you know, just see the area. And it's just such an interesting thing because there are some, you know, it's like half and half. Half of the people, when they're telling the stories of the abominable snowman, they're terrified. They think it's this creature. They, they, a lot of people do believe that it is very, uh, it's, it's like, it will eat people. And there are some accounts that say that, no, it doesn't eat people. So it's one of those things where I think that science should not give up. I think that there's obviously a reason that there have been sightings for hundreds and hundreds of years. And I think that there's a reason that we're seeing these footprints. And I think that there's a reason that so many people have had experiences. And I think it's one of those things that we shouldn't give up on. I really, I really think that if we can find another species of human, it's 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 huge. It's it's a huge win for the scientific community. It's a huge win for figuring out you know human life and life on Earth. And I always like the the 
thought of that we're not alone, right? So I'm a big fan of the Abominable Swim. I'm a big fan of the Yeti, and I will always be a fangirl of Sasquatch and um, Bigfoot. So I uh, just thought, you know, since it's cold out, what better what better way than to cheer on the cold season than by talking a little bit about this this creepy little mountain man. But yeah, <laughs> one thing is for sure, though, the Himalayas are very mysterious. And there's a lot of legends of um, hidden cities, hidden lakes. And I think that there's a lot about the Himalayas that we still have to discover. But I think that about a lot of things on Earth. I think we're out discovering Mars when I'm like, man, we got a whole a whole ass world we got to still like discover and find out about. I don't know. I love I love Earth's mysteries. So I'm a big fan. But yeah, I'm really excited. Like I said, I was going to uh, try to fit everything in on one episode when it comes to the Wendigo and all my other creepy cold weather cryptids and creatures. But I thought, you know, when it came to um, the Yeti, I feel like there's there's so much when it comes to the Yeti that I, I just was like, I, I'm just going to make this a two-parter to make it easy. So, <laughs> But yeah, other than that, I'm really excited. So I'll be coming back in a couple of weeks to talk more about the Wendigo and hopefully not creep myself out with more stories. Because I'm telling you, when I read about the Wendigo, it creeps me out, especially because I live around woods and it's obviously like freezing cold outside and there's snow. And I'm like, oh, no, this is like the exact conditions. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to see it. I'm so scared. And that's why the other night when I had that experience, I was so freaked out. I could not believe. I was just like, you know, I try to act all brave. And I, you know, for the most part, I am pretty adventurous. You know, I am. I'm very brave. But I'm telling you, I that is one thing I do not want to mess with. And I, oh, oof. <laughs> Big oof. <laughs> but yeah, with that being said, I'm really excited. I did a VHS haul actually the other day for Patreon and I'm really excited. Now I have to go try to find some VHS on like the Yeti and the Abominable Snowman to add to my collection. And I'm really excited. I, I don't know. I, I really would love, like I said, I there aren't really many documentaries out there either about the Abominable Snowman and the Himalayas, which is kind of sad, actually, because it's such an interesting topic. And I feel like, you know, the Himalayas are such a mysterious place. They've got so many crazy stories and legends. And like I said, even with the random cave system that was found like super high up at high altitudes, that's still something that they're still researching to this day to figure out how the heck, you know, people were living there. So I think the Himalayas alone deserve like more love. And uh, one day maybe I'll be able to go and take an expedition and, you know, live off the grid. And, oh, and speaking of, I, one of the big things that people always say is like, okay, so, you know, if they, if, you know, Bigfoot exists, you know, why haven't we seen it? Well, okay, first off, how long have you spent out in the wilderness in, and I'm not talking about like, okay, at your local park. I'm talking about like where you're taking six days off the grid to go and camp in dense areas that are completely isolated. How, how many times have people done that, right? How many times have you spent weeks out in the same area or, you know, exploring areas that really don't get that much traffic? And, and, and it's like humans are so distracted, right? We've got technology. We're inside of our houses. We're, you know, I'm, in, I'm inside playing freaking World of Warcraft. And it's, it's like these creatures have obviously survived off the grid and they know the land. They know the cave systems. They know where to evade. There's a Bigfoot who has lived off the grid for this long. They probably in some sense kind of like have heightened smell and, and eyesight and hearing, right? 
a lot better than probably we as humans would have. And they're a lot more aware of their surroundings than we would be. So it's like, is it really that crazy that there could be some, you know, bipedal ape-like creature that's living off the grid in places that we don't travel to? Because like I said, how many people were actually out there taking like month-long expeditions out in the middle of the the wilderness, right? Like, <laughs> so that's why I'm like, you know, I, I hike all the time, like around my local parks and stuff. There's been times where people are like, well, we haven't found any of their bones. Well, honestly, how many times have you seen bones randomly anywhere? Like there's there's thousands of birds, right? How many times have you seen a bird skeleton? I mean, like really? So I just think, you know, it's it's like a little arrogant to think that like humans are like the apex predator, right? If there's if there's a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch or even a Yeti out there, because obviously they're more more equipped to survive in these areas than we are. And I think that's amazing. I, I for one, am a fan. I think that I respect it. I, you know, and if you don't believe in it, that's cool. There's nothing that proves that it exists. They've done multiple DNA studies and some people believe the DNA studies that say that, oh, there could be something that's like a hybrid. And some people say, uh, I don't really believe that. I think that it's a little off. So there is no like actual evidence saying that, you know, these things exist. It just depends on if you want to believe, right? <laughs> it's the whole, it's the whole Fox Mulder, I want to believe thing, right? And I'm a total fox molder on this. <laughs> but yeah, so I think I think that there are a lot of mysteries that Earth still has. And I'm a big fan of Yeti and Bigfoot. And I I'm such a fan. So I uh, I can't wait to dive back into more more Bigfoot and Sasquatch stuff. Like I said, I was doing all these um, Wendigo readings for the next episode, and I'm telling you, there are Sasquatch is a very interesting one. And if you get on a rabbit like a little rabbit hole of Sasquatch, I mean, people have been seeing Sasquatch since like late 1700s, and it's been documented in a lot of a lot of books over you know hundreds of years. So. I don't think it's too crazy to think that something else could be living out there, but maybe that's just me and the like the Harry and the Hendersons fangirl inside just saying that. <laughs> Who cares though, right? I have fun with it and I hope you do too. But yeah, with that being said, I'll be making this episode a two-parter because, you know, the Wendigo alone deserves its own episode. And then, yeah, I just, all the creepiness. I just, oh, I'm going to have nightmares. <laughs> I hope I don't actually, because I think they, they're supposed, if you get, if you have a nightmare about a Wendigo, I think that means you've already been affected. So, oh God, I hope I don't. <laughs> like, oh God, please. Um, but yeah. I'm really excited, and I hope that wherever you are in the world, you're staying warm, you're eating some good food, you're having some sweet dreams, you're watching some cool stuff about the Yeti. I, I hope, you know, this inspires you to go on your own little rabbit hole of, you know, the abominable snowman and all the mysteries of the Himalayas, because I'm telling you, there's a lot of really cool things about the Himalayas and a lot of cool folklore, and I think that there are so many interesting mysteries of Earth and... I just hope you you get inspired and maybe, you know, like I always say, I hope you get inspired and maybe you go to the Himalayas and you do an expedition. And if you do bring me along, um, <laughs> but that maybe you are the one who discovers this missing species. And how cool would that be? I'm telling you, the day it all, if it happens, I'm going to be so pumped. I'm going to be so pumped. <laughs> but yeah, so we can always keep our fingers crossed. So to inspire the explorers of the world, right? But yeah, with that being said, hey, thanks so much for hanging out today. I'm super excited. On another note, I've been watching some really cool shows. If you have not seen Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, if you're a fan of Godzilla, 
oh my word, you have to watch it. It is so good. It is everything that uh, like a fangirl of, I, I'm such a fangirl of Godzilla. So it is everything that I could possibly ask for in a series. And I am so blown away by the entire series and I cannot wait for season two already. I had a great time watching that. And then True Detective's out. Who doesn't love Jodie Foster as a, a detective or a cop trying to figure out this creepy situation going on in Alaska? <laughs> Some more more cold weather themes. Uh, and I just am a big fan of True Detective. I love the first season. I love the third season. And I'm, I'm just so, so pumped that we get more True Detective. So I'm super excited about that. But um, I did, uh, you know, I did randomly watch a random movie the other day called Marabone. And I... It's an older movie, I think from like 2019, I want to say, maybe. Um, but it's got Anya Joy Taylor and Mia Goth and a couple other people in it. And it was so good. Very rarely do movies like that slip by me. But for some reason, I, I hadn't seen this one. And honestly, it was very, very good and very surprising too. So yeah, that's about it I have going on. I've just been spending all the time studying about all these creepy cold weather creatures and uh, trying to figure out. Uh, in February, I'm going to do an episode on the Mothman. I uh, had Patreon voting, and so far, Mothman is still winning. The Skunk Ape and uh, the Flatwoods Monster is coming in on second and third. So uh, if you're over on Patreon, make sure you go vote on that so I know um, which cryptid I'm going to be talking about at the 1st of February. So I'm really excited. But other than that, yeah, I've just been super excited to stay inside and stay warm and spend some time reading about the Yeti and the Abominable Snowman. And that just goes to show you, like like I said, I mean, if there is something out there right now, it's surviving these conditions outside that we do not want to be in. So, <laughs> you know, I want to just give it a high five and be like, you go, boy. You know, you do it. But, yeah, that's my that's my, that's my my take and my information on the Abominable Snowman. I hope you enjoyed it. And like I said, I hope it inspires you to um, do more research and go down that rabbit hole. I'm telling you, there's some really interesting stuff about the Himalayas. And like I said... It's so cool on newspapers.com because, you know, you go to a an article and you go to that newspaper and the worst thing that – the worst and the best thing about it is that if you go and you see someone clipped an article, you're like, oh, that person's – that person's cool as – that person's cool as hell. They're, they're researching some cool stuff. And then you go to their page and you see just the rabbit hole of all these random topics like – Oh, man. I, I, I was researching the Wendigo the other day, and for some reason, I, I went to someone's page, and they were cutting out stories about Wendigo sightings and, like, stories where, you know, tribes had, um, you know, did their own trials for Wendigo or people they believed were infected by the Wendigo. And then I got on the subject of um, airships, like, airships being seen in, like, the 1890s, like, 10 years before the first flight took off. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I just, I love all these rabbit holes. And like I said, it just inspires me for all these weird, wacky episodes. And I'm so excited. But yeah, uh, with that being said, if you do have any weird or wacky tales of your own and you'd like to share them with me for a future Campfire Tales episode, I probably need to do one of those soon. So uh, if you have any weird experiences, whether it be, you know, you were, you know, at Mount Everest and you may have heard like a weird chilling scream. Or, you know, you've had your own experience with like UFOs or you had a weird paranormal experience. If you go to campcryptidpod.com, there's a little contact section. Uh, you can leave me your, your little, your story. And then um, when I do another Campfire Tales episode, I like to read everybody's stories. And then we get to kind of like get creeped out and like get it all like figured out together. And I really love that. I love, I love, I love hearing all the stories from all over the world. It's my favorite thing. But yeah, if you enjoy what you're hearing and you want to go on and go give me a rating on, I think, Spotify or Apple, that would be awesome. And uh, 
Other than that, I always try to post stuff on Reddit too with my episodes. So if I ever talk about articles, I always try to post them over on Reddit so you guys can do your own little research too. So uh, I'll make sure to, like I said earlier, I'll, I'll post that study of the the mammals of Nepal with the little um, footnote about the hairy ape-like creature over on Reddit too. But hey, in the meantime, I hope you guys stay warm. Uh, eat lots of yummy soup and uh, I'm sending nothing but love and all the cool cryptids your way. <laughs> So yes, thanks so much for listening again, you all. I, I thank you so much um, for just hanging out and entertaining me because, you know, I, I have so much fun reading all of this stuff and like doing all this research, you know, and I, I think that's probably why I want to be a lawyer when I was younger because I, I love reading and I always loved writing uh, like huge papers. Um, so this is like the best of both worlds. I get to I get to talk creepy stuff. I get to watch all the creepy stuff. And it's like, uh, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm truly blessed. <laughs> so thank you all. For, for keeping me sane during these cold, cold weather months. But with that being said, I hope you all stay warm. And hey, until next time, take care.